0: Welcome back to SysAdministrivia. At this plate, we have Drive Droid Android app. We talk about Android non-stock firmware. We talk a little bit about why the Creative Commons is used for our show and why it's generally a good thing. And we have a little argument about Bash versus Z Shell.
1: This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And and you skipped a topic. And I I skipped a topic. What did I miss? Well, you kind of put it where it doesn't really belong. Oh no! On the list. Where? Very bottom.
0: That's that's kind of still under the Bash vs. Z shell argument.
1: Uh, all right,
0: well. <laughs> I'm leaving this in, by the way. That's fine. I want people to be wondering, like, what is he talking about? What what are they? What are they? What are they disagreeing about? Because we haven't actually said what it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well. So a little bit of mystery can go a long way. Am I right, ladies? That's
1: really. <laughs> do we do we have any ladies listening? I don't think we do. If you're a lady and you're listening to this show, <laughs> contact me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, both of both of us are taken. That'd be a very bad idea.
1: I still want to hear from you. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I I I'm I'm glad you're in our industry. The suggestive ladies was was a joke. This week, I am I am drinking Boyd's Cardinal Hollow Winery Mead. So it's it's a mead. It's it's actually local to me, and it's really good. But it's a mead, and they they ferment it in, like, old whiskey barrels. What is it with me and, like, whiskey barrels?
1: I don't know. That sounds pretty good, though.
0: Well, I, like, I, I smoke tobacco that's been aged in whiskey barrels, and I I, I drink mead that's been fermented. What tobacco do you smoke? Uh, the, you know, the Perique. The American Spirit Perique. The Did Black Pelt. that
1: it was aged in whiskey barrels.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I re- kind of recall seeing that on, like, one of the little factoids in the rolling paper pack but i haven't seen it since Hmm. so i don't know if i'm just hallucinating that or what but i'm I'm pretty sure that's the case because it does pack a wallet
1: oh yeah another thing before we get to our real topics we are looking for somebody who is pro certification to interview on our podcast
0: right because both of us are not it seems like we can only find people who are not so if you have certifications and ideally, think they're a good thing. Or you're a hiring manager or something like that, and you base your hiring decisions on certificates. We we want to hear from you,
1: please. Yes.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. We're not we're not gonna like try and like start fights or anything. We just think it's fair to our listeners if we get an opposing opposing viewpoint. So that being said, I, I uh, wanted to open up with my my little my little plug on Drive Droid. You mentioned that you didn't get a chance to play around with it
1: correct so um it's been a really busy week for me i had an exam this morning i've been putting in a lot of time at work the rest of this week will finish off pretty busy and then i'm flying to mexico on monday so i'm just trying to tie up all my loose ends before that happens
0: no excuses you should know better i mean
1: i expect you i also don't have a rooted device at the moment since i just got a new phone
0: well that's i mean that's part of the install procedure i i'll talk about it more when when we get to cyanogen mod but i had to I had to flash my phone using entirely, like, ADB and Fastboot, which are part of the Android SDK. Because while CyanogenMod, and probably maybe some of the others, I'm not sure, have, like, a a one-click installer thing, it, of course, just works for Windows.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how I've always done my flashing, so it's... uh, What,
0: from Windows or with ADB and Fastboot?
1: ADB and Fastboot.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really... It was a lot simpler than I expected it to, to be. Yeah, it's so. not hard
1: at all. I mean, there's enough, like, how-tos on XDA forums or whatever.
0: Yeah. Really, the hardest part was, was configuring it after I installed it. But I'll, I'll
1: get to that in a second once we cover the
0: firmware. So, DriveDroid, you do require a rooted device for it, as, as Jfon said. So, that's, that's the one catch. Uh, there's a free version and a paid version. If you know your way around ISOs, like how to resize them and everything, honestly paid version isn't really worth it but i mean I, I grabbed it just in case i mean it was it was like two dollars and 79 cents so why not you know it's an android app so they're always like
1: well plus yeah it's a sweet app so why not support the creators yeah
0: and that's another way of looking at it i mean granted, i'm sure all these guys have like day jobs it's a one-time purchase you know like android like you don't need you typically don't need to pay to upgrade to the next version, so it's it's like a one time purchase if you do purchase an app. I mean, that's a great point, you know. So I, I I did want to support them at least a little bit. It's odd though that I had to pay to plug something on on my show, <laughs> and it's so that's backwards, doesn't it? It it is. Um. So that's I I want to also mention right now if we are ever paid a sponsorship or or things like that, we'll we'll let you know. We want to have full transparency about that. So. We're not opposed to including ads in our show or anything like that, but if we do, we'll definitely we'll we'll definitely let you know what is an ad and what is from our own mouth. So that being said, again, DriveDroid is Goramichthon.
1: What? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I hear that the first time. That's
0: all right. I've got to edit subsequent ones out, but I just want to leave that first one in there so they so they know why I'm reacting like that. So DriveDroid is a uh, it basically turns your Android device into like a a USB storage device that's bootable. So it has a really nice indexing of, like, ISO images. Uh, It supports ISO and regular raw disk images, so, like, USB specialized .img files, you know. It's pretty handy, I'd say. I've already loaded up with, uh, you know, my personal homebrew of live CD. Which you know, once we we have it on our topic list to talk about live distribution, so keep Drive Droid in mind for when when we do talk about that. But I maintain my own rescue forensics yada 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 distribution. So I have that ISO on it. I have the Arch install ISO. My personal distribution is based on Arch, and I have the Arch install scripts on it. But you know, I figure like why not?
1: Yeah, hey, you never know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I have that, and I also have the Manjaro installer, because, you know, just in case you're at a friend's house, they're like, hey, you know, like, I want to try Linux. I was like, well, let me show you a thing. And I had the Ubuntu installer. Same reason, you know, people are like, I don't know, I've never heard of Manjaro. I want to try Ubuntu. I'm like, well, I can do that too. You know? um, I think i maybe like two or three others. System Rescue CD is on there. I mean, granted, all the software on System Rescue CD that I would ever use is on my personal distro, but, I mean, again, it's it's nice to have it handy. And I think... That's all I have on it, but I mean, like, you know, you're you're only limited by your Android device file system size, and I've I've got like another like 28 gigs free, so I could load load up a, a bunch of stuff on it. But it supports uh two basic images, so it supports like regular ISO images and hybrid ISO, which are one ISO file that you can either you know DD directly to a USB or burn to optical media like you would normally do for. Legacy ISOs. And it also supports like straight raw disk images. So if you've got like you've got like a, a USB only boot image. Oh, you know what would be cool on that? Net boot.
1: That would be pretty cool.
0: And that's only like a couple couple kilobytes. It's a really small image.
1: It's really small, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's really cool though. Netboot and I I think Pixie is part of Netboot or the older version of Netboot. One of those, I can't remember, but yeah, it's a really small ISO. It basically lets you boot an ISO off the not only off the network, but off like the internet, the the greater internet. So you just host a couple piles on like HTTP on a publicly accessible server. You can boot that way. It's really cool, really cool. We should review that sometime. I mean, I, I basically just did. You know what? I'll just put it in the show notes. I'll just put it in the show notes. That's fine. So I mean, that's that's it. I kind of just wanted to mention DriveDroid because as a sysadmin, we're popping around and needing to boot a lot of boxes from different media all the time, whether it be like install media, rescue media, you know, what have you. Right. You typically always have your phone on you. I mean, I I do. (laughs) Because like, what if you get a call? You're in the data center, whatever, you know? So then all you would need to do extra is, instead of carrying around a bunch of different USB sticks or CDs or DVDs or something in a giant binder, you instead just need to carry around your phone and a, a compatible USB cable. Now, there there is a caveat. If the machine does not support booting from USB, and some of the really older machines don't, then, you know, you're, you're out of luck.
1: Yeah, I also, it can be kind of difficult with a Mac. How do you mean? Um, like, I'm not that confident that I could just plug my phone in with DriveDroid and, like, my my computer would recognize it to boot from.
0: So what it does is it, it presents a layer of, like, basically USB
1: flash media.
0: Max can boot from that. However, you need to make sure that it's... Yeah, I mean, you need to, like, hold down, I believe, the C, the C oh, key it's, when you're booting. It's,
1: you hold down Alt or Option when you're booting. Oh, to get to
0: the boot menu? Yeah, I'm talking about, like, booting directly from... From oh. uh, CD or whatever. I think the C will search for USB devices also. I'm, I'm not typically a Mac guy. I have, I have one Mac device, and that's a Mac Mini, and I just use that for testing. So I haven't played around with it too much. But, I mean, I see no reason why it wouldn't work as long as... And here's the here's the, the catch about that. As long as it's an ISO that would normally boot on a Mac. So it would have to be a, an FE-enabled ISO for Intel Macs. Right. Yeah. I know System Rescue CD does boot on Macs. You don't need a special version my personal distro does because i built it to do that i didn't specifically build it to do that but like the way i built it was i mean a side effect of that was it was able to boot on that i believe the arch install iso does which does have some san- some handy tools on it so if you're a system man you know you can generally get by with an arch install cd but it's not going to be comfortable i don't know if debian does i think cento 7 will it's kind of a hit or miss with mac but as long as the ISO is okay, I see absolutely no reason why DriveDroid wasn't work, wouldn't work with a Mac hardware.
1: Well, because I always wanted to have an external drive and just install like Linux on it for my Mac, but it was always a huge pain to actually do that.
0: Well, that's that's a little bit different. There, you're you're talking about um actually booting to oh, and, and the other thing is is the other thing is with DriveDroid you can take like a USB image and make it appear as an optical media ISO or vice right. versa. So it gets around some some finicky limitations with that. I actually got it booting in KVM because I didn't want to have to keep on rebooting my my laptop to test it. And I'll put it in the in the show notes the the magic command to do that. That was that was pretty cool that I figured out how to do that. But the real catch there with booting like to an external hard drive from Mac hardware is you have to you have to have the boot sector set up just right, and you have to have the boot menu set up just right.
1: Yeah, well that's a pain.
0: Well, you're just lazy.
1: Well, I mean, granted, the last time I tried this was like before I started college.
0: Oh, uh, that was shit. How long ago was that? I was like five years, four years.
1: I am not a super senior. No, it was only three years ago.
0: A super senior is that? Is that what they call them? Yeah, three years. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty sure they were using. Oh, I think they were using that weird FE thirty two bit. Three years? No, that was that would be. Man, time's flying. I'm thinking of like the two thousand eight, two thousand nine models, but that would be two thousand eleven. And they should be booting just fine. So yeah, I don't, I don't know why you were having issues with that. Well, who maybe knows? Maybe
1: something to look into at some point for me. Maybe not.
0: Yeah, maybe. Sure. So drive droid. Uh, if your phone is rooted, grab it. Potentially be like a real lifesaver in the data center. If it's not rooted, why not? I finally took the plunge, and it's it's really not scary at all. Not scary. Yeah, I mean, it's on Android devices, it's super easy. I have an HTC, so I did have to make an account for like their HTC developer resources, whatever. But I mean, once I, once it, that was to like unlock the actual boot firmware. But once I did that and I got the actual boot key and everything, it was, it was not a big deal at all. It was a lot less intimidating than I thought it would be. But yeah, so speaking of rooting, I rooted my phone because I wanted to take the plunge into like a, a custom Android firmware. Now, I had only heard about Cyanogen mod probably because its I'd say it's the most popular alternative Android stock or Android farmer. But then Jaython told me about Paranoid Android, mm-hmm. which I wasn't too impressed by. I didn't even bother flashing it.
1: Well, you know what's actually cool is since you installed all of the uh, like the SDK and stuff, there's actually an emulator that you can run ROMs in.
0: That's right. I forgot about that. There is There is indeed an emulator.
1: That is a good way to kind of test them out without having to install them or flash them on your phone.
0: Yeah, and I'll see if I can dredge up some uh documentation on the Android SDK and the emulator they have for that.
1: Man, I would love to be I would love to be an Android developer. I just
0: don't have the time. Well, are lazy.
1: Mostly lazy.
0: <laughs> okay. We have amongst our friends like an ongoing joke that J-Thon's lazy.
1: I am pretty lazy. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much of a joke.
0: Well, well. I mean, it's it's still funny.
1: I get the things done that are important. Yeah. Yeah. But when it goes to like, like I've been telling, uh, telling Brent now for like two weeks that I want some kind of backup solution for, uh, for my personal laptop and probably my girlfriend as well. And sure enough, he sends me this piece of software. It's called Box Backup, which is just a shitty name anyway. Oh, no get offense. off it. Get off it. Well, it should be like Backup Box, but like Box Backup. I'm not backing, You're backing my... up the box. It's not a box, it's a laptop. <laughs> it's still a box. No, it's, it's more like an envelope. All right. Like a padded envelope.
0: Box is used as a general term. I even, like, you can even refer to, like, tiny little, like, embedded devices as boxes. That's how I use the word. It's a general term for a computing device that is, you know, meant to be interacted with and not standalone. No, no, they can be standalone. Anyway. I don't, like, I don't consider mobile devices boxes, but. Moral of the story, I have not yet installed box backup. Right. Moral of the story is you've been putting it off. Yeah, just because you have to read some documentation. Yeah, it's really not. It's really not bad. And no, once once you use but it, but then
1: I have to open up the ports on my firewall. Oh and my god! Certificates. That's a. That's
0: oh my a lot gosh! Of work, man. I well, not really, <laughs> but I mean that's like that's like that's the equivalent of like oh I have to make toast and then eat it for a sysadmin, You know, <laughs> it's the simplest thing to do in the world. And the payoff is so worth it. And you're just, you're like, oh no, I have to put, I have to take the bread out, take the bread out of a plastic bag, put the bread in the toaster and press a button. I'm sorry. That's way too much work.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe when we're done recording this, when I go home tonight, I will work on it.
0: You're not going to do it.
1: Probably not. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Called it. All right. We got to move on.
0: We got to move on. Yeah, we're uh we're dragging behind a little bit. So, there's a uh, there's CyanogenMod, which is probably like the the biggest, most well-known one. I that is the one I actually did flash. I like it okay. I definitely feel like I have a lot more control over my phone.
1: Do you like it Okay, so you definitely like it better than stock? Or, or Absolutely. Not stock Absolutely. Android to specify stock HTC software.
0: Stock T-Mobile even. They they provide their own firmware. I'd say yeah, all three. I like it I like it best. I like it more than the sock firmware because, you know, the sock firmware is pretty, you know, it's just bare bones. And that's right. okay. That's okay. Some people want that. And that's well, your that's, that's my preference. Yeah, and I, I don't. I like having the ability to tweak and control everything. I like it better than the T-Mobile shit, because that would just pop up like, it's been 30 days since you rebooted your phone. And I'm like, yeah, I know, shut up. You don't need to tell me when to reboot my phone. I'll reboot my phone when I'm good and ready to reboot my phone. Thank you very much. And and stuff like that, you know, like, do you want to try our new features? And I'm like, no, leave me alone. T-Mobile, I love you generally, but you got to stop that shit. So getting those, like, constant harassments were kind of what made me finally take the the leap, the jump. So I did, and I flashed with CyanogenMod, and I definitely say I, I love it. I love it the best, because it gives me... It gives you really minute control over stuff you didn't even know you control. It has, like, an equalizer for headphone, for the headphones and, and for the speakerphone and for the ringer, you know, like, it goes, it just drills way down. Um, so that's, that's pretty rad. I flashed it with the stable version, which is currently based on Android 4.4.4, 4. 4. 4, which is, help me out here. What, Kit what Kat. version? KitKat? Yeah, 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 KitKat. Yeah. I did have to, I have a tethering plan because, you know, I, I telecommute and it's nice to not have to work always at my house as if it's not nice to not work in an office. You know? So I did have to change the APN to the, uh, the epc.tmobile.com one and i had to specifically enable lte but after you know other than that that was basically the only stuff i had to do yeah, to get it mild. rolling yeah that's super mild i like and, and and
1: roms now compared to roms like two years ago have come oh, in terms of like user friendliness absolutely so yeah
0: yeah definitely and i mean it, it came with a, bun- a whole crap load of apns like already configured i just had to select it i was like Oh, I wonder if this one works. I wonder if this one works. Hey, it works. You know, so it was, it was a really simple process. It was kudos to signage I know they're like the most like commercially of all the uh, all the non-stocks out there that are not supplied by carriers. But I mean, it, it kind of shows they they have a generally pretty polished product. The unstable, you know, development version is based on the 5.x branch of Android upstream. You know, that it, it seems to have a lot more features, but I'm, it's my phone. You know, and I only have one, so I'm like, do I really want to risk like doing nightly
1: updates yeah. or not? You know, for yeah, my yeah, that's phone? the one, t- the one thing where I just say no. Yeah, and and again, I haven't I haven't flashed a custom ROM now in at least a good year and a half. I mean, I can't say too much, and I never used Cyanogen either. I did for, like, all of a week, maybe. But I, I know there's people who on occasion would wake up, and they'd, like, flash a new nightly, and then their phone would turn on and everything, and that'd be great, but, like, their radio didn't work, and it's just like, oh, well, uh, you can't do anything with your phone now.
0: To clarify to our listeners who may not be very tech-savvy, by radio, we mean, like, the antenna in the phone. Right. The thing that controls connecting your phone to the mobile networks and or possibly the wireless network. So at that point, your phone is pragmatically gets bricked. You can still use it just fine, but it, it just becomes like a PDA at that point, like a Palm Pilot or something. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Not even, not even, because they had IR, they had infrared transfers. They had infrared so.
1: transfers, that's right.
0: So it, it would become less than a Palm Pilot. I mean, I'm sure you could, like, download an image online once the, the fix was released and then actually, like, flash it through USB again, but...
1: Yeah, and that's what you had to do. Yeah. And actually, on that note, uh, you used to have to do that for every update. Oh, okay. There was not even a built-in update or the last that I had used mod.
0: Yeah, they, they do have... A ota uh over the air updates now but i mean stable might be moving a little bit too slowly for me plus i generally there were some quirks here and there but generally i liked android 5 a lot more so i may switch to that and then just disable the automatic updates um and then just update whenever you know whenever i'm, I'm like home like on a weekend and have nothing to do so that may be the route i go with that
1: yeah that's a good plan
0: so that was that was CyanogenMod. There's one called the AOKP. Remind me again what that that's an acronym for? Do you remember off the top Android
1: of Android Open. Kang Project Kong?
0: Yeah, I just know their logo is like a unicorn. Yeah. It's like a pink unicorn or something.
1: So back in the day, it was always like CyanogenMod versus AOKP. And I think they've gone in pretty different directions now. AOKP was always a little bit closer to stock Android, I think. And truthfully, I don't really know what they're all about now.
0: Like looking at them, they look to be less about like user control and more so like theming. It's very pretty. Same with Paranoid Android. I didn't get to talk about that. It's got good theming, but Paranoid Android didn't seem to add a lot to the actual functionality of, of the firmware to me. AOKP seemed to be, it seemed to go more in CyanogenMod's Mod's direction, where they tried to add functionality to the, the firmware and they try to provide, like, extra tools and things like that, extra tweaks. It didn't seem quite as modular as CyanogenMod. I maybe, yeah, I did try it, so it could be more. Throw it in the emulator once we get our show notes up, and take a look, and, you know, make the decision yourself. Don't take our words for it. Never take our words for it. Unless it's something we're right about, and then definitely take our words for it. But, I mean, I, I took a look at it, and I, I wasn't terribly interested by it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I just kind of left it as is. Now, uh there's another one called the Pac-Rom, or Pac-Man-Rom. It's got a couple different names. We'll link to it in the notes, as as with all of these. And it's it seems kind of mysterious to me. I heard a lot of people discussing AOKP versus CyanogenMod versus whatever versus this and versus that and pac-man came up a lot apparently it's it's a very a lot of people like it because it's like a merging between aokp and cyanogen mod and it seems to have a really great ui too cyanogen mod doesn't do a whole lot for the ui right aokp does a little bit but not too much but like just seeing some of the screenshots of, of the Pac Man UI, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. They have a kind of like a redesigned navigation system and it looks really cool. So I may I may get that a spin in an emulator and if I decide I like it I'll I'll back up my current stuff and then flash it on.
1: I'm curious what you what you find.
0: Why is it up to me? Why can't you do it?
1: Well, I'm not gonna flash my phone, man. <laughs> Why not? Because I'm happy with the, the firmware that's on it. Seriously, I have Lollipop and it's pretty much stock. And my phone lasts like two days without having to plug it in. I have a, a Moto X, a second generation Moto X.
0: Yeah, that is, that is the thing. So one of the things I love about CyanogenMod, and I have a lot of push and pull services enabled on my phone. Again, sysadmin, you know, I, I, I'm pulling email constantly. I'm pushing alerts for like down servers in our network to my phone constantly, doing this and doing that. So with all that, plus I usually leave... GPS enabled, because I play Ingress. So, uh, so I le—I usually have that enabled. Don't laugh, man. It's a cool game. I like it.
1: Yeah, but it just kills your battery.
0: Oh well, and that's the thing. I mean, only if you leave it running. You know, usually I will have it's it in kind the background. Of to play if
1: you're not leaving it
0: running. I know, I know, I know. We'll talk about it later. So, like, I'll, I'll usually have it on the background if I'm not playing it, where it doesn't drain so much battery. As a result of that, I have my GPS radio usually enabled. You know, if if I if I have a reason not to enable it, I will disable it, and I like the default for me is to disable it. But I've been if I am driving a lot i'll leave it enabled you know just at a convenience and yes i know for everyone listening i know it's publicly trackable we'll maybe talk a little bit about that in another episode about why you maybe would want to leave a publicly trackable uh trail for yourself as the best protection but moving past that so even with gps enabled i have my screen brightness turned all the way up vibrations for everything you know it should be sapping battery insane amounts Cyanogen mod, I'll usually get a good two or three days off one solid charge, which is incredible. On on the T Mobile provided stuff, I was getting like a day uh if that, you know. Less if I had GPS enabled. So I mean it's really really great stuff. I don't I don't know what the hell was taking up so much battery before with T Mobile Crap, but ever since I flashed the cyanogen mod, it's it's been absolutely wonderful.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I mean I don't have much more to say. Like I'm sitting here just on my stock firmware, so
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, for what it's worth, I used to be like an avid ROM flasher. I
0: remember that. I remember that.
1: Um, and it was a lot of fun for a while. By all means, if you've got any questions for me, feel free to ask. It's fun. And if you don't like what you've got, it's really easy to get something that I think you will like a lot better.
0: Yeah. And that's that's what I did. Like, I, I found it was to the point where the stock, and by stock, I, I typically mean like carrier provided, not actual upstream Android vanilla. Right where my stock firmware was like getting in the way of my productivity and for me that that was what made me think like there's got to be a better way and lo and behold I think there was
1: yeah and I've never had that experience but I'm kind of at this point like I used to be much more attached to my phone and I'm still pretty attached to my phone like if someone texts me I've got it yeah but, um Kind of just, like, as long as it works and I can send a text message, check my email, occasionally browse Facebook or whatever, I'm pretty happy.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm the same way generally. You know, like, I'm not on the Instagrams or, like, if I'm Instagram. on Facebook. If, or if, like, I'm on Facebook, it's because I'm replying to a comment and that's it. You know, I'm not, like, Facebook chatting. I'm not, like, I do tweet a fair bit, but usually that's, like, when I'm on my laptop, you know, and I can just all tab over. You know, generally, I'm I'm not socializing very much on my phone. It's more of, like, a like a regular phone. Right. So, I mean, you know, it it, it does its job for me, and I like it. I think we could stop talking about Android.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you guys have specific questions, let us know. We're going to post instructions, hopefully, for, like, using the emulator that's part of the Android SDK yeah. to check out ROMs. But also, don't be afraid. Like, go check out the XDA forums. We'll link to that. Mm-hmm. Look up a YouTube review. Sometimes that's the best way because you can actually see everything. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's very true. I'm I'm down with that. So next up, the Creative Commons is a copy left license. It's called instead of a copyright. See what they did there, J-Thon, Do you see what they did there?
1: I'm yawning. You're interrupting my yawning.
0: I don't care. Do you, do you see what they did
1: there? Like oh, the yeah, I mean, copy I right see what copy they left? did. It's like left is opposite of right, almost. Yes, exactly. Which thank is you, wild. Thank you for entertaining my absolutely my insane
0: <laughs> all right now you're hamming it up a little bit too much um so like the the copy left. The Creative Commons is really a fantastic thing. I, I love the idea of it. Uh, it lets you get your content out there and they have, they have different options, I guess. You know, they've got different variants of, of the Creative Commons. There's one where people can freely distribute your work as long as they provide credit to you. There's one where people can, where people are free to modify your work and then release it. All sorts of crazy things, you know, like as long as they release it under the same license, all sorts of wonderful things like that. The reason I do that for this podcast is. I would never want to have to issue a DMCA to someone, and I think it's very, I think it's just batshit silly to copyright your podcast. It's meant to be listened to, it's meant to be distributed for free, you know, both free as in beer and free as in license, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. Libra and Gravis. If
1: somebody wants to use something that we, whether it's something we said, whether it's something we posted in our show notes or whatever, I'd be honored at that point. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, it's nice to get some credit, like, "Hey, this is the original source." But
0: well, and if you'll examine our license, um, I I do le- release under the okay. So it's it's a Creative Commons attribution share alike 4.0 if you go to our site you'll see it on the on the right sidebar exactly what that is you'll be able to click it and see what the terms of that licensing are the essay and the attribution mean that you are free to share our podcast with whomever you want however you want any medium or format you know pop it on a cd or stream it from your own server whatever and you're also free to adapt it so you can remix us you can transform Mm -hmm. us
1: if someone remixes us, I'm going to be happy.
0: <laughs> uh, You can turn us into a dubstep song, whatever. I do ask one thing. Don't chop it up to make us, like, sound really, just really strange. Like, don't make us say weird stuff. Because that's just, that's just weird. Don't do that. That's...
1: It's just a manipulation. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I mean, if you tried it, you could make us say some pretty, really awful things that I would oh, say.
0: I'm absolutely sure they could. Like, the whole discussion about body bomb goes along. You know, I mean, that's... That's not a legal requirement of a license. That's just me pleading in earnesty to you. Um, but you are free to adapt it. And here's the thing. You're free to do all these things as long as you do two things. You must give appropriate credit to us. You have to give a link to the license. You have to indicate the changes were made if you make any changes. And you have to, you know, you ha- you have to give... Sourcing to us, so they they can find our original work. Not a big deal, you know. You just post a link to either the show notes for this episode, for instance, download link or whatever. And you can also, if you remix, transform, or build upon the material. So if you turn this into a dubstep song or whatever, you have to distribute your version under the same license. And that's it. You don't have to pay us money. We would definitely appreciate it, but we're not gonna. You're not under any legal requirement to do so. You don't have to. Get our permission first, you know, by releasing under the CC license, as long as you abide by the terms of that license, you inherently have our permission. It's a really cool idea. But the main reason I like it is it lets us do for creative works like paintings and poetry and all these things could be released under the, the creative commons. It lets us do for those kind of works what is typically done under the GPL for code. Right. And that's the cool thing for me. I don't do a lot of coding. If anything, I do I do a hell of a lot of scripting. But it's scripting. Like if you're gonna try and like copyright a script, I don't I don't I'm not even sure you can do that. There's a certain level of like how much of this is actual original work. But whatever, it's like the GPL. It lets you examine the source material. It lets you recreate based upon the source material without damaging the source material accessibility. It, you know itself. And to me, that's a big deal. Linux would not have gotten where it is today without uh, GNU Linux, without the GPL.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think it's important.
0: Yeah. There are even some, some GPL books out there. and Or not GPL, some Creative Commons books. There's lots of Creative Commons music. All the uh, music we've used on our show so far is all Creative Commons licensed. Same with the public domain. I think the public domain is pretty cool, but I mean, a lot of that's just like...
1: Really old?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Project Gutenberg, by the way, we'll link to it in the show notes. If you're a book fiend, you'll love Project Gutenberg. As long as you can handle, like, e-books. You know, whether you have a Kindle or not, you know, whatever. Or a really good printer and lots of paper and ink. Project Gutenberg's awesome.
1: No, don't tell them that. Don't kill trees.
0: If it's going to be printed no matter what, as long as it's a duplex printer, make the font as tiny as possible. I guess. I don't need your your hippy-dippy bullshit.
1: Well, alright, fine. <laughs> You better not come visit Colorado, then.
0: Oh, I know. I know. It, it'd be bad. Hippies,
1: though you kind of you kind of look like that. I look like one. I know. Because I... They might try to just, like, incorporate you into their hippie circle, but they'll also figure out that you're a fraud, and then they'll stone you to death.
0: <laughs> that doesn't seem very economically friendly
1: or ecologically friendly. Right? Why?
0: Well, you know, like, I probably wouldn't decompose very well.
1: It's because you smoke, like, six times the amount of cigarettes of anybody else.
0: I do not. I had... Well, I've been smoking more since winter. Usually I smoke about maybe 8 to 10 cigarettes a day.
1: Why do you have to smoke more when it's winter?
0: I don't know. That's a lot of I cigarettes guess, either way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's half a pack. I know people who smoke like two or three packs a day.
1: Well, that's way more than I smoke.
0: Well, you don't smoke a lot from the beginning. <laughs> Moving on. I love how we have these like really just awkward lulls where we just...
1: <sighs>
0: I, I have nothing else to say about that. If you're an artist, I very strongly encourage you to at least release some of your stuff under the creative commons. It helps get your name out there. It helps give back to the the greater sense of art, the greater community of art. And it, it lets others get a head start. This way, we can find music for our intro and outro that we really like and we also get to hopefully get more business toward this other guy because you know under the cc we have to attribute to him we have to be like all oh, our music was made by this dude and then we link it's in it's always in our show notes so you'll always you know i'm gonna it.
1: go i'll hit you on your ass again you really shouldn't be using such gender specific pronouns
0: oh my gosh <laughs> What what gender-specific pronoun did I use?
1: You just said this guy, referring to the music.
0: He is a guy! Yeah, it is but a there's male plenty
1: of chicks that also make music.
0: I haven't used any of their music yet in our podcast. I've just used one specific guy so far. I'm sure that's going to change when I run out of stuff to use. Boom. <laughs> That's what happens when you get all hippy-dippy on me, man.
1: No, I'm just saying you should be sensitive. If
0: you are female and you release your music pieces under the Creative Commons license... I want to hear from you. (laughs) And I like it, and I like it enough to include it in the podcast because that's a big the big piece right there get in touch we'd love to use your stuff link to us if you have like portfolio or whatever it'd be great and if you want to like compile or or compose or whatever show specific music for us like with an intro like saying our show name or
1: something yeah yes. totally do that we would be interested
0: only if you release it under the creative commons. We're not interested in copyrighted music. We only want copyleft. I'm going to try and push that as much as possible because I want others to be able to, to share in on the resources we have. So that being said, I think it's time to talk about something a little bit more interesting. What do you think?
1: <sighs> you know, I think that it's not going to be a great conversation between you and I. Why? Well, we both primarily agree. Well, maybe. See, and this
0: is. If we had our CMS showdown this week instead of, uh, I guess it'd be two weeks from now. Two episodes from now, basically. I had to reschedule it. I did have it scheduled. Th- for this week, but we had too many topics on the list. So, so we moved it to not the next one because the next one we have something special and you'll find out when we publish it. But the one after that, we'll we'll be talking about our CMS showdown and we'll definitely disagree about that because you and I are much Always. more opinionated. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I'm right. <laughs> so there's that. You are absolutely not right. Well, I'm not wrong. I've got I've got science on my side. Science. I am a scientist. <laughs> I'm going to school <laughs> to be a scientist. For biology molecular my, do you know what kind of degree i'm pursuing <laughs> do you know what my piece of diploma paper will say it. how does that relate to blogs i'm a scientist <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh
0: okay excuse me oh gosh that's like when like neil degrasse tyson you know as cool as the guy is or whatever but like that's when he talks about like geology or some shit like that i uh, like you're you're a, like an astronomist he's an astrophysicist astrophysicist excuse me my point is like he's not a geologist he's speaking out of his realm of expertise so fuck him
1: you know who i'd love to have <laughs> as a guest i Who's want that? bill nye on our podcast no
0: i don't want bill nye yes he's creepy dude no i met him i he's a he's a total creeper he okay. goes he would go to clubs with like a lot of where like young women were going and they would just start like dancing with him and grinding up on him and stuff yeah he's and a my baller friend, no yeah no, and they were probably he's... like
1: they were probably like Bill, what the hell are you doing here? And he's just like, yeah, I'm a scientist.
0: No, my fr- it happened to my friend, and she was like, I kind of felt like a little bit sexually harassed. So, like, he's kind of a creeper in my book. Yeah, I, I still love, don't get me wrong, I still love Bill Nye the Science Guy, the show. But as a person, he may be a little bit creepy. But that's okay. Aren't we all? So, Bashin and
1: Z-Shell. I, did I tell you I used to use Z-Shell, like, religiously? Um, not really. Yeah, I feel like I, I maybe knew that. I think I first found out about ZSH from you, kind of. Maybe that that would
0: make a lot of sense because I started using it a lot when I was working with Lamalex. Do you remember Lamalex?
1: How could I forget him? He's my hero.
0: Lame Alex, <laughs> Alex, if you were listening, give us like a shout out. He's we miss you. Listening. Is he is he in like France now
1: or something? Where is he? I don't know. He's in the service. I know that.
0: Oh, that's right. He went to the navy. Oh wow. If he happens my to come across this episode, change. that's true. Uh, I'm not going to say his last name because I want to protect his privacy and everything. Um, Alex, if you're listening, give us a holler. You know who we are. Anyways, it was when I was working with him, and that was that was right around the time we met too in IRC. I, that was when I was like super into Z Shell. I had it. I was using it on my workstation, and I was like trying. I was like begging my manager to like let me install it, install it on the server. It was like let me. Which in retrospect is a really stupid idea. Not because Z-Shell's bad or anything. It's great. But it's so... It's a super featureful shell. And it's really customizable. And it will make your life awesome. But, and here's why I don't use it anymore. Here's why I use Vanilla Bash uh, these days. Because it's so awesome, and because you can customize it to do some really helpful and useful things, you're going to start relying on them. So then when you're in regular Bash, you're going to just be frustrated to no end. You're going to go crazy. And that started to happen to me. And Bash is installed on every Linux system. Even on Slackware, it's installed. Bash, if you know your Bashisms and the way Bash works and the constructs within Bash and everything, you're good. But ZShell has, it takes regular Bash. Bash, it should be, I think generally, like 98% of the time, 99% of the time, it's fully retro compatible with Bash. But it then adds some new things on top of that. Amazing so you start, things. Amazing things. To their credit, amazing things. Really fantastic things.
1: Just little things, but a lot of little things, and combining them, it just makes your life so much easier.
0: Yeah, totally. But the problem is, like, you start relying on those things because, like, it just becomes part of your workflow.
1: Well, like, if you're a sysadmin with the uh, Z shell, and I'm sure you can probably do the same thing with Bash if you want, but it's, like, out of the box with Z shell. If you type user at host, you don't even have to type the SSH part. It just knows that you're shelling into a box, and it's like, bam, there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah, or it has like tab complete for SSH. So you like SSH. Let's let's say the host names like srv zero zero five three one. You can type like srv. You you type like ssh space ssrv zero zero five and then hit tab, and, and it'll, it'll, fill it'll in like in the middle. Yeah, yeah, which Bash definitely doesn't do, and it does all sorts of really other cool stuff. It's got like a full interactive editor for history and
1: all sorts of crazy stuff and i mean you can do kind of like the same thing where if you just type a directory path you don't have to type it'll just cd, CD to it it'll, yeah. yeah it'll just like yeah. cd is implied
0: and that's like that's like stock z shell just to give you an idea of how rad it is it's stock z shell. and that i mean, does that
1: if you mistype a command it'll just say did you mean and you can type yeah. yes or no
0: Although to be fair, that there is like a Yeah, you can do that with Bash. Yeah. A lot of the stuff you can do with Bash, but you
1: have to configure it manually and it's not nearly as clean as ZSH Z S H.
0: Yeah, it's it's bash is a lot more modular in that sense where yeah, it may be easier to like separate it out of it and everything. It may be easier to optimize bash. But at the same time, if you want it to run like a good Z shell even a basic z shell you're gonna have to put a lot of work into it and some things won't even fully be possible after that you know but i mean z shell it's fantastic but i started relying on it way too much way too much so like i would start writing my scripts that would depend on z shell isms and that was just bad news because like our servers didn't have z shell and i'm like oh crap i was i was young i was inexperienced give me a break so i know better now and i kind of just stay on bash to maintain my
1: My sanity. Yeah, and I kind of did the same thing. So when I started here at BioFrontiers, I think it was one of the first things I did was install ZSH and configure it to my liking. But, I mean, I still use it on my my personal computer at work, but I don't really do too much with it. Like, I don't write any scripts that rely on it or anything like that.
0: Because... As well, you
1: shouldn't. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, sure enough, as soon as I shell into any other box, it doesn't have ZSH, so it doesn't matter. Very true. So to, to kind of, like, expand this argument, and this was the thing that we were arguing about at the beginning yeah. of the, the show. Uh, going back, if you can remember with
0: us, join us, won't you? When we travel all the way back to the beginning of this episode, we were arguing about a thing that we didn't tell you what the thing we were arguing about was. So this is the thing, and this is... This has started wars in the the Knicks community probably throughout history still does of does like every day oh, it absolutely does absolutely does i think we've we've learned to grow past it now and and have kind of matured, but there are definitely still cases where the the war starts all over again. The battles are smaller now, so your editor, your editor, is probably the most important utility you will ever use. Yeah, in a your subject. shell. As a system, yeah, on a Linux system.
1: On that note, if you use Emacs, you're really bad at your job. <laughs> you're going to get
0: stoned, man. Developers, I know some developers that love Emacs, because it, it has a lot of things built in. Uh, but you know what? Like,
1: developers We're both are obviously also... like, pretty diehard Vim users here. Yeah. Just to disclose that up front. Yeah. Well, I, w- I, don't I was going to work shit. my way to that. I don't actually give a shit if you use Emacs, but also... Yeah, like, use what you want to use, but I'm not installing it on my servers. Nope. That
0: brings us back to the point. So you'll find that a lot of sysadmins like to use VI and and Vim as their, VI improved, as their preferred editors. It does what we need to do. It's really efficient. Yeah, it's small, uses very little memory, has like syntax supporting and everything. But I mean, generally as sysadmins, we're editing mostly config files, maybe a script. Here and there, mostly config files or processing some logs or whatever. And Vim and VI, to that extent, are really great at doing that. It still has like regex, like search and replace and and all that other kind of stuff, functionality, line numbers and all that. At the end of the day, it's just a really handy, simple editor which is what you want for config files. Developers... Now, I've noticed a trend, and I don't know if you've noticed it as well, because you're a little bit more experienced in the developer world than I am. Developers, I've noticed, tend to have even shied away from using Emacs and have started using, like, IDEs a lot more so now, like Eclipse and Eric and things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, all I can really say about that is... I have never used Emacs, and I've never met anybody who did for programming purposes. I mean, I know a couple of people who are sysadmins who do, and, like, general Linux users. But, yeah, when I programmed for just about any language, I always used an IDE. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. So, Emacs used to be... I don't, I, I don't be... think that's a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of really good things about using an IDE. Oh, yeah, So, absolutely. by all means, I'm not saying, like, oh, it's graphical. That's really bad. No, I think that's fine
0: yeah it's it's i mean it's a natural evolution whatever but you know like moving back a couple years maybe even a decade or two emacs was the ide it had a lot of support for ide type stuff and it was apparently really extensible so a lot of developers ended up using that so it kind of lost in the editor war but only to graphical applications because that's generally what developers prefer they tend to be a lot more design and aesthetic oriented than than sysadmins do and that's just one of the weird quirks we like order we like simplicity you know we we just like text developers tend to prefer the shiny
1: and there's nothing wrong with that nope that's totally okay and yeah the uh, users love shiny yeah what were you gonna say uh well i mean just in terms of, like, if you're programming, there's so many nice things that an IDE can do, especially if you're doing, like, object-oriented stuff and you can look up some kind of function or an object and keep track of all your classes and stuff. Even to the best of my knowledge, I don't even think Emacs really can do that for you. In, not in the sense that, like, something graphical can, where you have more screen real estate and just, like, generally more going on.
0: Well, Emacs has, like, windowing and stuff like that. It's just... It does... And, and curses. And, I guess. Yeah, it's and curses. So, if you're kind of a command-line junkie and a developer, by all means emacs is the way to go it's very extendable it's got tons of plugins there's a saying that emacs has everything but the kitchen sink and even that's not true because someone wrote a kitchen sink plugin for emacs so emacs has emacs could probably at this point be its own os it's got like tic-tac-toe it's got like you can update git within emacs you can uh do all sorts of really crazy stuff within emacs you can use it as like a a mud client you know a multi-user dungeon client crazy crazy stuff in an editor to me that's why I prefer not to use Emacs I want my editor to be an editor you know I want it to just edit text that's it I want it to center around processing and editing and help me do that for text but another advantage is Emacs to my knowledge is not installed by default on any distro
1: Mm, no that's a stretch
0: no, I I don't think it's installed on by default on any distro. No, I bet. However,
1: I bet if you download uh, Ubuntu and boot it up, I bet it's on there.
0: You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try that after this show, and I'm gonna put it in the. Well, we could I'll just put
1: just it look in it the show it up notes. Right now. Ubuntu Emacs.
0: No, no, it's gonna it's gonna list the package for it. I don't know if you're gonna be able to find it on. You'd have to look up the packages on the live CD. Because that's typically what's installed on. The okay, it's not default. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry.
1: I thought it would be. <laughs> I I mean it's it's on my. You know why? By default. Do you
0: know why? It's huge. It's a huge package suite. And and you know you know who typically gets Macs?
1: Yeah, developers. Exactly. I get yeah, what you're you. saying. I'm just yeah. saying like I don't know. I mean, if you don't even have a favorite editor, if you're like stuck using nano, which I have to Oh, think, oh, oh. That,
0: that that brings me to mission. I should point. talk about nano, actually.
1: Well, I I was going to actually. That's the point I was leaning
0: into. So the reason a lot of sysadmins like VI and Vim is like one of the two, at the very least VI, is gonna be installed on every single Linux system. So if you know VI and how to navigate it, you're you're good for it. you can walk up to any Linux terminal and work your way around it. Except and here's where nano comes in. Except Gentoo. Gentoo oh, that is so the,
1: true. I didn't even The think about odd
0: that. fucker out. Oh. It uses <laughs> nano by default. Which is hilarious. It does not come with Emacs or VI even. No, it doesn't. Nano. It comes with Nano. Nano is the uh the GPL'd version of Pico. Of Pico, yeah. Which I think was originated with pine like the old email system i think it it had its own editor and then pico kind of was born from that or something like that but yeah nano is basically pico which
1: oh my gosh i totally forgot about Gentoo.
0: yeah i'm just sitting here yeah.
1: smiling now like thinking about it like oh it's Gentoo like and then that was nano <laughs>
0: i hated that so much i always like,
1: remember like the first time i was building a system i would always type in like vi and then yeah it would just be like command not found it's like what the hell this is yeah this is the 21st century we should have vi on here yeah and that, now that may have changed yeah I mean we haven't built this hopefully two in like probably a good what two years
0: two, yeah two years sounds about right I I planned on doing another install for our distro review coming up just to see if the process changed any yeah I mean it's <laughs> it's uh it's a pain in the ass. It's hilarious. Well, I'm glad you're able to see humor in that situation, cause I wasn't. I would get so mad at that. But like, CentOS default install is like, VI. Not Vim, but VI. I think Arch by default comes, no Arch has VI as well. CentOS might have Vim, but they like, use VI bindings
1: by default. Right. Something like that. That's the way I understand it, but I don't yeah. really use CentOS at work, so.
0: I wonder what OpenSUSE has. I mean, I'm, I'm going to find out because I'm going to do
1: an install for the distro review. Yeah, but. so fun fact, we talked about it last week. Distro reviews coming up. We're going to try to make that probably a live stream. Yeah. So look for that. We will
0: We will announce information on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Yeah, and we need to come up with like a list of criteria that we're going to talk about for every distro. Like... Well, I gave you, like, a, a like a list. Like, five things you like, five things you dislike, and then a one to ten rating. You know, I mean, I also think we should baseline it, do these tasks, and base your experience upon those tasks. I agree. Yeah.
1: But it's kind of unfair, because some of them that we're talking about don't... Like, some of them come pre-installed with a GUI, some of them don't. So it's like, what kind of tasks are we talking about? Like,
0: One of the tasks can be, install a GUI, and if it's already installed, mark it as a check. You know, ten. All
1: right, all right, fair.
0: Or like an eight, if it's a little tiny bit buggy or not configured in a smart way, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's.
0: Yeah, we'll figure it out. We're down to the wire here. We're already in the edited, unedited, raw. We're at like one minute, one hour and six minutes. Yeah. I mean, the well, people listening will like get an idea of how much I actually edit out of these shows because they'll be like, "This show's only like forty-five minutes." What are you talking about? Right now, we're at like one hour and almost seven minutes. We're gonna wrap it up. We're going to call it quits. Yeah, definitely. Not quits. Uh,
1: we're not going to tell you, but look for our next podcast after this one.
0: You will be in Mexico.
1: Yes, I will be in Mexico when it's published. He'll be
0: recording with us. He'll be recording with us, but I'm, I'm releasing while he's in Mexico. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think I'm it's going to be a big excited. deal. I think
1: it's going to be awesome. So it's going to be great. Check it out. Listen next time. Listen, of course, this time. I guess if you're hearing this, then you've already listened. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I guess that's a good way of approaching
0: it. Oh, goodness. This is SysAdministrivia, I'm Brent, I'm Jonathan, and that's it.